Today we are talking to Andrei Neštrašil. I think I'm pronouncing this right. <coughs> I'm not an expert on those Czech names. Uh, Andrei is a professional hockey player. He played in the NHL in the U.S., which is the biggest league in hockey, ice hockey, that is, and uh, also in Russia, which also is a very big league. Uh, he told me about how he got into hockey and the... Um, how to say, the influence of his father and having a brother that was a little bit older, how that kind of drove his um, mindset and uh, made him want this. He moved away as a 17-year-old and, and yeah, to, to get a chance in the, in the hockey world. Very interesting story. I didn't really know anything about hockey before. I didn't know anything about the money and all the physical stuff. Um, Andre had a serious uh, spine injury that he had to recover from. He told me about that. So, yeah, it was, um, <coughs> for me at least, it was very informative because I didn't know anything about this before. Um, I hope you guys will enjoy it as well. Uh, then the sponsors we have um, Alfred Jobs, that's alfred.cz. Um, perfect platform and an application as well in the app stores that allows you to monitor specific types of jobs and you get notified whenever there is a new one coming your way and then you can apply with one click and you're anonymous there so if you have a shitty job that you want to leave and you don't want your shitty boss to know that you're looking then in alpha you don't run the risk that he will find you in some cv database like some of the competitors have in alpha you're totally anonymous until you apply for a job and then only that company that you applied with knows that you're there so Perfect for someone who wants to sneak out the back door without anybody knowing. And then it's the oat bar. Healthy oatmeals, uh, sweets, juices, and organic skir, Icelandic recipe, only available at the oat bar. Uh, open on the weekdays, Mondays to Thursdays from 8.30 to 3 o'clock, and on Fridays from 8.30 to 1.30, and Saturdays 8.30 to 1.30, and available on, on the home delivery services of Volt and Bolt. Um, yeah, you don't want to be eating shit. You want to be eating from the old part. Um, Andre, welcome to the bunker. Thanks for having me. How are you? Pretty good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Um, you're a hockey guy, you're a professional hockey player, and, and I, I have to admit that um, my knowledge of, of ice hockey is very limited. I've seen a few games here since I moved to the Czech Republic, um, but being from Iceland, of a country called Iceland, we don't really have a big hockey scene. I mean, ice hockey scene, it's, it's, it's growing, but it's been growing very slowly, and um, I think, yeah, I guess the closest thing that we came ever to being famous in ice hockey was uh, being the evil guys in the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, one of all time all time greats. Yeah, were all the hockey players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're. We're here in Prague, where you're from. But the, the last team you played for was in Russia, and you played in the NHL in the US, right? Yes. Um, how long have you been a pro? So uh, I turned pro when I was. 20 years old but uh, I left Prague when I was 17 yeah. uh, so it was after second year of high school mm. uh, I got drafted by a junior team in Canada yeah. uh, so I decided to go over there just because it gave me a better chance to accomplish my dream of 
playing in the NHL. Which you did. Which which I ended up yeah accomplishing, which was great. But uh, so I kind of counted in my head that I became professional then when mm. I was 17 and had to leave home. But uh, my first professional contract was when I was 20 years old. And now how old are you now? 30. So 10 so years. 10 years already. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but I yeah I wanted to I have a lot of questions for you about ice hockey. Should we call it just hockey or just or? hockey? Yeah, yeah, cool. I think uh, it's better. Yeah, because we played this silly indoor bandy um, or something with yeah. the, some sticks, and and some people call that hockey as well. Yeah, and then you have field hockey too, yeah. right? That's very popular. Not here, but India and these places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I have plenty of, of, of things to ask you about regarding hockey. Um, uh, I'm very curious about the, the size of this sport and, and, and you know how it, how the whole thing works. But just kind of to give me an idea. So you're born here in the Czech Republic? Big family or? Uh, I have uh, three, well now three brothers. Uh, my parents are divorced. So uh, two brothers from first marriage and my dad has a, another son mm. with his new wife. Uh, so four boys, uh, we all played hockey. I'm the second oldest. The oldest one played till maybe he was 16, 17. Mm. Uh, it's funny because we're, you know, he's the tallest now, but he pretty much ended up, you know, quitting hockey because he was too small. Mm. And as soon as he quit, he grew by 20 centimeters in, in one summer <laughs> <laughs> and then the younger one um he's studying a school in scotland right now and he's playing hockey well it was pre-covid mm. uh he was playing there for their local team and going to school at the same time and the youngest one uh is 14 he just turned 14 a couple of weeks ago and he's playing here at uh, slavia prague uh-huh. Uh but we were actually born across the river here in, in Holoshovice. Yeah, that's so, where I live. Uh-huh. Right. So we naturally should have been uh players of Sparta Prague yeah. because it's much closer but for some reason uh my dad decided that we're going to be, you know, I don't know if they had maybe like a better hockey school in Slavia Prague and it was mm. maybe like a smaller team but better approach for the kids. So uh that's where we started. Mm. And and so basically all of you, all of you have been Playing. And what yeah. about your father or, or any? So my father grew up uh, playing soccer, uh-huh. uh, but he was, you know, 190 centimeters and 120 kilos. So that's not <laughs> the body you want to have as a soccer player or uh-huh. a football player, whatever we want to call it. But uh, and he, he loves sports and, and he's very talented and he's really good in a lot of them. And, you know, Czech Republic is either soccer or hockey mm. and yeah so he decided it's probably going to be better for us to be hockey players with the type of body we're going to have but you you mentioned that the height i mean so th- that matters in in hockey i mean it used to doesn't uh-huh. anymore that uh, you know it's a very dynamic sport it it changes you know there's trends and uh so let's say i don't know uh 10 years ago if you made it to the nhl as a 23 year old it was a huge success mm-hmm. nowadays there's so many 18 years old and you know it's getting the league's getting younger the league's getting quicker it's always you know a team wins stanley cup and then everyone wants to copy whatever yeah. they do it's like happened in the nba when <coughs> golden state started shooting all the threes right 
right. then everybody copies that, and now all exactly. you have is three three pointers. Right. So when I was growing up, uh, you know, it was only big guys playing in the league. It was very limited number of small players in the league. You would have to be super super skilled, uh-huh. and it was much tougher than what it what it is right now. So I think that was the thought process behind it. Uh-huh. And 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 you mentioned that like your your father said that it probably would be better for you guys to to go into hockey was there a pressure from him or or was this just a normal i mean was it just normal as a kid to be involved in sports right i i think in retrospect the the things that he says is uh i obviously you know he wants his kids to be successful but he wanted us to play a team sport because he felt like that's going to teach us a lot of lessons for life right like you have mm-hmm. to get along with people and uh yeah, a lot of things like that yeah, yeah right so uh, for him a lot of times it's uh, it's a lot about life uh i don't think he really cares about success as much he just wants us to be you know successful people doesn't have to be hockey uh he just wants us to be you know, mentally strong and and be successful in life and be good people. And I thought uh, uh, he probably thought that that's the way to do it, and that's gonna help us get there. Mm. But was there, like, did you want to be in hockey when you were a kid, or did, was it like uh, you know now you gotta go practice? It, it's uh, it's it's. How old were you when you started? Sorry. Uh, yeah. So so my brother started when he was five. So I always followed. Whatever mm. he did, I did. And I was three years old. And I was kind of a kid that <laughs> you would tell me to go stand in the corner and I would go stand there. I was really such a, like, go with the flow. I don't really care. Put me out there. And, you know, I I guess I didn't really, you know, I probably loved it when I was out there. Mm. But uh, compared to my youngest brother now, like, when he was two years old, he was actually carrying stick everywhere. And he was like, he would wake up and first thing he would do hockey 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 and sometimes they found him you know asleep on the ground with like hockey gloves and you know so i I don't think i was i was uh i was like that but uh obviously i was pretty good at it and if you're pretty good at it and you feel like you have advantage over the other kids it makes you somehow you know different and yeah motivated and uh yeah so uh so you wanted it yourself. Right. So once I, you know, once I started playing it, yeah, there was no, like, I didn't even think about not playing, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And any other, I mean, did you do some other sports also as a kid? Or Yeah. Or? So uh, I don't know how long we were actually there, but we, my brother was signed up to play soccer for Sparta. So he played soccer for Sparta and hockey for Slavia, which uh-huh. is a huge rivalry yeah, yeah. in the town. And you, nev- you never see more police cars in Prague right. than when these two teams <laughs> right. are playing. Yeah, or Ostrava, Banik yeah. Ostrava. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so uh, uh, I don't know how long it lasted. Obviously, both of them are very time-consuming, and and I think you know my dad said like, "Hey, you gotta pick one," and he probably somehow pushed us to pick hockey and and that's what we did and mm. uh went from there but we played hockey uh, we played sports our whole lives like he would teach us to play tennis squash uh we would bike a lot uh yeah so i skiing, think skiing i guess and yeah all yeah stuff. yeah yeah so so yeah he just uh he's a very you know he loves sports he watches sports all the time mm. 
So he taught us all of those. And yeah, but hockey was like the one where, you know, he thought that there is a potential for us to succeed. Mm. It's interesting here. One thing that I noticed after I moved here is how how active everybody is. Like you're saying now, you know, like yeah, tennis, badminton. I I have I don't think I ever met anyone from from this country who doesn't know how to mountain bike, doesn't know how to ski, maybe even cross country ski, um, hiking, and it's it's an interesting. It's such a white range of activities that people seem to be involved in and from very early age and always the family together somehow mm-hmm. and it, it, in some way it's really really nice you know yeah i don't know if it's something that lasted here from communism and mm-hmm. you know I, I you can see it now during covid that uh you know people were busy with work and you know prior to that and all of a sudden covid hits and everyone's sitting at home and everyone started biking all of a mm-hmm. sudden and you see so many bikers and you see so many people in the you know, hiking and cross-country mm. skiing. So I don't know if maybe it's something that just lasted here from yeah. communism because people didn't really have any other, you know, output for their energy. Mm. And but, but with the hockey, when you're a kid, because I, I thought about it like um, um, a friend of mine here has, has two boys and they're playing hockey. They actually moved to Washington now to, to and they're playing there. But... Um, isn't like so he, he, when I met that guy, he's, he asked him, So, what do you do in the weekends? Oh, I'm a personal driver. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, I drive my, my sons to different hockey <laughs> practices and games and everywhere. And yeah. And then yeah, I said, oh, Okay. And, and, and what do you spend your money on? Yeah, I buy hockey gear for my kids. It's an expensive sport, right? Super expensive sport. And you grow yeah. out of your gear when you're right. a kid. Right. So some teams do a good job. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of programs in the US where, uh, what they do now is they have the set of gear for three years old. Mm-hmm. And once they are done, they leave the gear and they move on and they have gears for each category. Each, yeah. So they just move through the gear, which makes it better, obviously, because, you know, I mean, a pair of skates is like my pair of skates. What I wear now is thousand over thousand dollars and mm. i go through six pairs so that's six thousand a year yeah so it's six thousand right there so uh so being a player is one thing and then being a goalie is a completely you know that's yeah. just out of this world because the pads are three thousand dollars you mm-hmm. know and and when you're a kid and you're growing you go th- through so many pairs that mm. yeah you really need to be I don't want to say wealthy family because when we grew up uh, in Holoshovitsa, we had, uh, I think it was a 2KK mm. and it was me and my brother sleeping on a bed and my parents sleeping on the floor in between the beds. Mm. Uh, but I think back then it was still, you know, right after communism where it wasn't where it is now. Mm. It maybe wasn't as expensive. Uh, it was more for everyone. Now it's getting to a point and especially in u.s where it's a sport for rich people pretty much mm. yeah um but but yeah I, I, w- I was thinking about this i mean like because this discriminates in some way you know the kind of the entry entry barriers are higher i guess when when you have all this expensive gear and and uh, 
So teams here, for example, they, they don't provide gear. You you need to buy everything yourself, or, or how does that work? Uh, I don't know how it works nowadays. Yeah. I, I think they, they provide some gear. They, you know, might have a lot of it, but... Uh, I, I think that, you know, when it comes to skates, you always have to have your own because you can't just pass skates. They After a year, they're just destroyed. You can't mm-hmm. use them anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously there's different options. You don't have to buy, you know, that expensive gear. But uh, I mean, I remember <laughs> I started with gloves that didn't even have fingers. You know, it yeah. was like a like a mythen. Yeah. Uh, where now every kid has the best at a best you yeah. know we had wooden sticks now everyone has these like one piece kevlar yeah, yeah. so light uh uh so i i think they they provide some stuff if uh people want to try hockey mm-hmm. so they can use it they don't have to buy it and then return it afterwards but yeah, yeah eventually you have to start buying all that stuff and yeah it's gets pretty expensive. So your parents probably have to sleep on the floor for a few more years <laughs> while the kid is growing out of the <laughs> hockey gear. Uh, no, we, we moved out when, when we were like, I was like five years old and we moved uh, to the suburbs in uh, Zbraslav. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, my dad just had to get a get a better job. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, how was it, uh, you know, like you were in school at the same time. I mean, were you good student and interested in the school or or how yeah so in in our family school was always number one Mm. and hockey was number two so uh you know we would always check our grades and if i got you know uh i don't know what your listeners where they're from and what uh their grading system is but we have one to five yeah five's the worst one's the best if i remember if we would get three no TV, uh-huh. you know, automatic. Yeah. Uh, so school was always number one. So I, we were, me and my older brother, even my younger brother, we were very good students. And, mm. uh, you know, both of my brothers are, st- uh, well, one is already done. He was at uh, university here at Bush uh, Economy. Business, yeah, business school. Yeah. Right. And the other one's studying business school right now. So, mm. yeah. I'm the only one who's uneducated in the family. <laughs> <laughs> the black sheep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and what was, like, f- for you, wh- when did you know that that the hockey was the thing? You know, wh- that, that this could possibly be a career? Uh, so I was always ahead of kids my age. So... When I played here, I played with guys that were two years older than me. So, mm-hmm. you know, but there is so like now looking back, there's always players that are so good at certain level and then they move level up and it's just gone. Mm. So I guess I guess the plan in my family was, you know, when you turn 15, uh, you start going to the national teams if you're good enough. Uh, there's national team under 16, under 17 and under 18 and under 20. Then you you're moving on, but if you know if you get into those, then all the scouts from North America they come over and they watch those games, and that's where it gets like more serious. Mm. And uh, you know, then you start you you have an agent, and you start hearing about the interest from you know maybe these junior teams. You know, wants you to come over, and they feel like you have a really big potential, and you can make it to the NHL. So the draft 
to the Canadian Junior League was like the breaking point where hockey became more than school for me. How old are you? That's 16, 17, right? Right. So I was, uh, so I studied at uh, Gymnasium Chipotochni, which is in Prague, then here. Mm. Uh, really good school. Uh, but after this, it's four year education, I had to leave after the second year. But still, as I was saying, that uh, it was very important in our family to finish the school. So even though I became a professional later on, I still had to come back every year and finish my classes. But instead mm. of four years, it took me six years because I would split it in half. Uh, so I still ended up uh, finishing the school, but never went on to go to the university because I didn't have to anymore. And what and what drew you to hockey? I mean, what was it that like? Um, I mean, what? Yeah, what is it about this sport that kind of drew you in at that time? Because. Uh, it's hard work, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, it, it is hard work. Uh, I mean, if you don't love the sport, you cannot play. You can just like decide, okay, where could I make money and what could be a great, you know, uh, I'm just lucky that the, the sport that I love, I can also make a lot of money, right? Like I, I admire people that, uh, you know, and I don't want to offend anyone, but like, I don't know how much cross-country skiers for example make right mm. but man these people have to love the sport so much yeah. because it's so fucking hard yeah, yeah. and the benefits are not so great. almost non-existent at the oh. end of the day unless you're the top 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 where in hockey you 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 can make some money but um yeah i mean you know it's when you're a kid and and you can see that you're really good at it obviously you love it because you know you you want to be popular you know in between your peers and mm. and so that drives you and then you know uh we would uh, we would play hockey at home all the time with my dad and and he would always talk about NHL and every Sunday that that was the only time we would see NHL because we had this uh, program called NHL Power Week mm. And it was like a 30-minute segment about NHL. That's all we would actually get to see. And then my dad would buy us uh, hockey cards. And we would play hockey, me and my older brother, in our bedroom, the same place where my parents slept on the floor. We would play. Uh, now it seems like it was every night. It probably wasn't. But <laughs> uh, because I was younger, I would always lose. So my dad had to make a rule that the loser gets one card and the winner gets three cards to make mm -hmm. sure I have some cards in my album as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I I think it was it was the fact that I was you know I was good at it and I could see the potential and mm. uh, the love of the sport. But and and so I guess you know versus let's say you I guess you played a lot of football as well. I mean with friends in school and stuff like this. So you got more pleasure from playing hockey than football. Uh, honestly, that's that's a that's a question for me that's 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 hard to answer it's just mm. like i said like i i wasn't really a kid that was determined like i wasn't born that way mm. uh i think that's something that my dad instilled in me you know the way he raised me because like i said i was a i was a kid that you know you would put me in a corner and i would just sit there and i honestly i wouldn't care but later on uh, you know, we would go for biking trips and, and because my brother was, you know, always a year and a half older, two years older. And still is. Right, still is. You're never going to catch him. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying. Yeah. But but he would always beat me at everything, mm. right? So, like, that kept pushing me and pushing me. And my dad would always push me that way because, mm. you know, uh, and over 
a period of time, I guess it changed in me a little bit and I started being more determined. And, and, you know, when I started seeing that, like the work has some kind of results, I guess that, uh, you know, gave Mm. me the fuel to, to do it more. Yeah, actually, like, uh, I wanted to ask you because, you know, um, you know, like in, in sports, you can, you can, you can see kind of two, at a high level, you can see kind of two types usually of, of performers. You have the ones that have some sort of a natural gift, uh, and then you will have those who have a high work rate or work ethic, or, or you know, they're willing to, to, to go the extra mile. Right. Are you Messi or Ronaldo? Of, of <laughs> uh, I, I think that both of those guys, even though, you know, they're portrayed in different ways, I think they... St- both of them have to put in a lot, a lot of mm. work. Otherwise, mm. they wouldn't be where they are today. I, but it is like you said. You know, you can meet some players that uh, you know made it there just with talent. It's becoming less and less, obviously, because yeah, it's more about speed than right. endurance. And back in the day, there was these training camps, and people would come in. You know, and they would be just drinking, smoking, doing whatever the whole summer. And the training camp was to get in shape. Where nowadays everyone comes for the training camp and they're in the best shape of mm. their lives. Mm. So these things, you know, in today's age, you're never making it anywhere without the work ethic, mm. right? Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what separates the the best from the best, right? The mindset and the work ethic. And, you know, uh, the the best players in the world, they have both, right? They have tons of talent, but they're also workhorses. And mm. that's why Sidney Crosby, I don't know if that rings any bell for you, mm. is probably the best player of past 15 years. That's why he's so great. And uh, you, I don't what know. What about Gretzky? How was Gretzky? I mean, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, that was, that was a different era. That's a lot of talent. Mm. That's a lot of talent. And a lot of beer. Probably. A lot of a lot of beer back then. Yeah. yeah, the stories from back then are insane. The, uh, nowadays, it's 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 so much different. It it mm. evolved. You know, people are trying to find advantages in a lot of different ways, right? So maybe I'm like the last generation where I could have gained advantage by being determined and working hard. Mm-hmm. Where now it's ten years later, and that's just everybody a given. does that. That's, yeah, everyone that's does a, that. So yeah. now people are hiring their own uh, chefs, and they focus on food because that makes them recover faster, and they're gonna play better the next day. Mm. You know, people don't drink as much anymore mm. because the, the the sport became so fast and so you know energy demanding that you need a good sleep, otherwise you're not gonna play well, and. It, you might for a couple of weeks, but if you do it over the period of the whole season, then it's going to hurt you. Mm. Um, yeah. But you and, and these, when because I mean, like you, it's a commitment. Even uh, as you say, you're 17. Um, when you kind of say, "Okay, fuck it, I'm gonna t- give this a tr- try," uh, and I guess at that time, are you? Do you realize all the all the commitment that it is, all the sacrifice that it will take? At that time, uh, and was uh, it even part of the thinking? You know, well, <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, a lot of people realize it a little too late, but like I said, like it was kind of instilled in us that nothing comes free in life, and it's always something for something. And 
if you want something out of life, you have to sacrifice a lot of things. And and so it wasn't that big of a shock. What what was kind of a surprise was being an elite player in my category here in Czech Republic and then coming over to North America, mm. realizing that, okay, I'm going to need to put in even more work because I thought I'm really good, but these really good players they're all over here you mm-hmm. know maybe in check in my category we had four or five but in north america 40 50 was, four, yeah, 500 right yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. those maybe 60 70 players i mean every year there's a draft and 210 people get drafted and you know uh yeah so but no i i you know we've always had that in us and and i think it's you know because of the way we were raised and mm. Uh, but you have to adjust along the way for sure. But it's interesting to listen to you because you, I don't know if you noticed yourself, but you mentioned your family and your father. It's obviously a very big um, influence on this whole thing right and i i don't know i mean often people talk about that that parents are in some way i mean it doesn't sound to me like that but it often in your case at least but often that parents are trying to live their dreams through their children somehow mm-hmm. was that did you ever feel that oh, i'm being pushed to do something i don't want to do i mean i probably didn't want to bike thousand kilometers during the summer when yeah. we had time off so yeah. <laughs> uh at times no, but i didn't want to vacuum my room not, not <laughs> one minute you know and i felt it was no you know, yeah really so bad. obviously there was times that he he pushed us for sure uh mm. you know you're you're a kid you're always going to choose the easier way but mm. uh he made sure we we didn't so obviously yeah and and you know looking at him now because now he's 57 uh and i can see the process with my younger brother and he's more chill and he doesn't really care about hockey as much you know he sees different talents in him and he doesn't really care because now i don't want to say that he accomplished it with me i mean i'm sure he takes it as his own success as well Mm. Uh, but he also knows now what it takes and how much sacrifices you have to make once you make it Mm. right so Mm. uh living in russia for past four years or living away from your family for 13 years now and and not having uh a, you know your own place pretty much you know like this is the first place that is actually mine and uh, mm-hmm. i'm gonna keep it because it gives you some sort of a right foundation so, right mm-hmm. so uh now realizing you know how many things you're, you have to sacrifice and what kind of life it is i think he's more chill and he doesn't but yeah when we were younger he was more pushy for sure he was this mm. dad that stands above the uh as like his spot above the one of the nets and he would yell at us like pass 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 or mm. shoot shoot you never embarrassed when this happened you never felt like shit why can't he shut up or man it was so natural to me like i didn't know any you know anything I, else anything else and he's such a strong personality that like no people around would ever try to like question him or they wouldn't even try to challenge him you know Mm -hmm. so 
he was always, you know, one of the strongest personalities that I've ever met in my life and mm. that I was the most scared of growing up, right? Mm. So you think you should be scared of your coach. I was scared of my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, but on the other hand, I mean, then you come home mm -hmm. and, and you're not in the hockey, you're not training or playing or anything. Was he then your dad, just like uh, any other dad? Yeah, yeah. I mm. I mean, you know. So he kind of switched on when when needed, you know, to push and to be there, right. you know, for, for. I mean, you know, I would never get, you know, spanked for having a bad game or anything, uh, you know. Like, the only uh, thing that, like, he would be upset about would be if I didn't, you know, give 100% of my effort or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it wasn't about... Uh, obviously everyone was happy if I scored three goals, but he would be as happy if I would score zero, but he saw that I had a really good game. Uh -huh. And, you know, comparing him to the other fathers, because a lot of them are, you know, the people in hockey, well, all sports, they're insane. The, the parents are insane. They mm -hmm. always think that it's mm -hmm. the next Gretzky or Jager or Ronaldo or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. It's They're just so, you know, out to lunch, these people. Yeah. But... Uh, it's understandable, but I think the advantage was that because he was so talented in sports, he understood the game better than other, you mm -hmm. know, fathers. So mm -hmm. uh, he was actually, for not playing the sport ever, he could actually break down the game and show you what to do better, you mm -hmm. know. So it wasn't only like, look at the score sheet. Did you score? Did yeah, you yeah, not yeah, score? Yeah. That's it. But yeah, yeah when we were... You know, like I said, during the summer we would like work out and and do stuff. But yeah, he was a normal dad. We would do a bunch of other stuff, and you know, I I, I loved my childhood. I yeah. I can't complain. Oh, that's great. Um, then yeah, so you go seventeen to the to the states or to Canada, Canada, right? Canada, yeah. yeah. And uh, and that is, I guess, to kind of get closer to the NHL and and to be you know, prepping yourself to be made available for the draft, right? Yeah, so, uh, because if I would stay home, uh, there is not as many scouts, NHL scouts, that right? That would but see you here, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so they might see you at, you know, two, three times a year where in Canada they might see 25 to 30 games, right? Mm -hmm. So they travel around, it's much closer. So I did, like, a research of, okay, who from Czech Republic got drafted in past five years and where did they play mm -hmm. and it was always maybe one guy who played here in Czech for the highest league and the rest was from the Canadian Junior League right so I and the teams when once I played it was before 2008 when there was the crisis right financial so I was still a lot of money in hockey and a lot of good players so it was no way for me to play for the men's team so I just chose to go to the junior league, uh, mm. and well, it ended up being the the right decision. And so, and then you you play there, and then you get drafted. And the way that it works, I guess, is that in the NHL, it's similar to to the NFL and the NBA that they draft out of out of teams or out of schools or out of Europe. Available people, mm -hmm. you declare yourself available for the draft, and then the teams draft, and the worst team gets to draft first, etc. That you're correct. We don't declare ourselves for a draft as soon as you're 18 year old eligible, eligible to be drafted. So I could I could be drafted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm here by declaring my, myself available for the draft. But uh, yeah, you don't have to say it. They 
they can just take you. They don't even ask you. It's can just you put in <laughs> words? <laughs> yeah, what team would you like to play? I for? don't know. Just to, I would. <laughs> I just want one one year contract and then I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So um, and you get drafted by whom? I get drafted by Detroit. Detroit uh, Lions. <laughs> Detroit Red Wings. Detroit Red Lions is the NFL team. Right, yeah, and then Red uh, Wings, sorry, and, yeah. and Tigers are the MLB team, and yeah. Red Wings is the hockey team. Uh, and the way it works, they draft you, and they automatically own your rights for the next two years. Yeah, and then in those two years, that's the time where they watch you even more closely, and they decide if you really have what it takes. And in those two years, they can or can, they don't have to offer you a contract. Right, so you still play juniors for another two years, Wait, and you stay. So you stay with that team. Yeah, you still uh-huh. stay with the team. Like, so they kind of have an option on you, right? Unless you're like n- nowadays, it becomes more, you know, possible for the younger players. Like I said, like now there's so many 18 years olds, and if if they feel like they have, you know, what it takes now, they can start playing when they're 18. Mm-hmm. But when I grew up. Uh, unless you were like the first overall pick, there was no way you played. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I still played another two years in in Canada. I played in Quebec my first two years in a city called Victoriaville, which is like two hours away from Montreal. Mm. And then I was traded to Prince Edward Island, mm. uh, which is a different province, and I played there for a year. And then I got signed, and then I became a professional. And and so so basically, you're traded between junior teams while you're under an option draft option right. from Detroit Red mm-hmm. Wings. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And and then, and what about money during those two years? Do you, do you get paid then, or or, or uh, how? So the way it works is, uh, you go there and they have these. Uh, they're called billet families. Mm. So. Uh, it's kind of crazy looking back that you're 17 and you just pack your bag and your parents drive you to the Prague airport and, and then you fly away and different family is waiting for you in Montreal and they just take you to their house Home. and they yeah. take care of you and and you get like a small amount I think it was like 50 bucks a week uh, that we got as players uh-huh. uh, but other than that the family is providing for you and they're the ones who are getting money from the team for the meals even though it's not a lot of money these people are are doing it because they're fans they love the Uh, sport and uh, you know there's much bigger sense of community in canada mm -hmm. uh no one would do it here in czech republic i can tell you that for (laughs) free but uh i know yeah so i i had a i had a great family uh great people uh but you don't really get much money Uh uh-huh so it's not like in the NBA where you you sign like a rookie contract and and that, that's like a million dollars season. Yeah, you, you do, but you sign it. Uh, I mean, I signed it when I was twenty. Mm-hmm. I signed it after my junior career, and yeah, you get signing bonus, you get money, but it's not as much as NBA. I can no. tell you that. Uh-huh. Uh, it used to be a lot more, but. Uh, now it became more of a sustainable business. Mm. So, you know, now you have the cap space and, and teams can only spend this amount of money. Uh, so it's the same for everyone. And 
and and there are some salary brackets i guess or something right yeah right so there's like a maximum contract that you can sign as it's called entry-level contract Mm -hmm. uh so what is that today for example if somebody uh, just to get today uh like this is this is a lot of times very not confusing but misleading in a sense that the contract says that you're gonna make nine hundred thousand dollars and your signing bonus i think it can be three hundred thousand dollars is the max Mm. the signing bonus uh and it's always for three years that contract's always for three years so So wait nine hundred thousand dollars over three years over three years but that means if you play in the nhl which 99% 99% of the kids that signed this contract, they don't play in NHL. They mm-hmm. play in AHL or East Coast. So it's called a two-way contract. You d- you do get the signing bonus, mm. but the 300,000 signing bonus is for the top top. Uh, I think for me, it was like 150, so 50 each year, which was great for, you know, at that time. Mm. Uh, but it's a two-way contract. So if you play AHL or East Coast, you make... I think I made sixty thousand a year, so it's sixty or nine hundred. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, it's a big difference. But and I guess the, but those other leagues that you mentioned, this A league and the, and the East 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 Coast, yeah. yeah. So th- those are kind of like the uh, development leagues in a way that the, the the bigger teams in the NHL they have sister teams or daughter teams or association right. teams. Yeah. Now nowadays, yes, I think it was back in the day. It was more of like a league on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the East Coast League is still kind of a league on their own. But mm-hmm. the NHL, AHL, I would say out of the thirty-two teams, thirty-one have their own AHL team. Yeah. I think only one team doesn't have one. So that would be where they would typically put like yeah. a younger player right. that is right. promising, but that he doesn't have right. any guarantee of starting right. or anything. Yeah, it's, so, yeah, it's beneficial for them because yeah. they hire their own people and then they pretty much prepare you on, you know, for what's going on in the big club. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and the, the coaches call every day and they discuss the players and, the, you know, they come and watch practices and usually it's pretty close to each other. So when I was in Detroit, uh the ahl team was in grand rapids which is two hour drive Mm. so that was pretty convenient for them right like Mm. they could come watch games and see how guys are progressing and who deserves the chance to be called up Mm. and how was it to to be in detroit i mean uh, and around that area i mean it's uh it's it's cold i mean i guess it's colder than here right uh yeah i think it's a little colder i think it's pretty similar when it comes to like you know you have four different uh seasons, seasons. uh the winter might be a little colder but mm. maybe not colder but more snow yeah uh which you know honestly i would prefer you know michigan over florida any day i'm not mm-hmm. a big you know sun beach person mm. Uh, so I didn't mind at all. Uh, the city when I got drafted was terrible because, you know, I got drafted. It was 2009. Mm-hmm. Everything uh, on the way down. So Yeah. So. And it was bad before. So it just got right. worse. So that I think the city lost about two million people within a year. And, you know, we I, I remember my first year we when you get drafted during the summer there's a it's called development camp it's the youngest players they you know we all travel to detroit and we spend there a week or two and they you know you go on the ice and they teach you a bunch of stuff and 
uh, now they're doing cooking and they do social media mm. stuff and you know stuff like that. Uh, and I remember we stayed downtown Detroit and they told us, you know, after 9 p.m., no one leaves the <laughs> room oh, oh. because it was that bad. The city itself is, you know, it's a like, decent looking city. Mm. Uh, and I think the family that owns the team, they do a great job of, you know, when you, if you, I've been there two years ago, looks a thousand times better. Mm. It looks great. But that, that first couple of years, you know, there was a lot of homeless people mm. in the streets. But uh, I didn't really get to spend that much time there because the first three years, the whole entry-level contract, I played in, you know, East Coast, mm. which was in Toledo, Ohio, and Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm. And Grand Rapids was a great, great city. Mm. I loved it there. It was It was perfect. And then... Once I made a team, I was with Detroit only for like two, three months. Yeah. And then I, um, there's like this, it's not really, you know, I might seem like I got traded, but there's this thing called waiver list. Yeah. And after the entry level contract, you sign a normal contract, you, you know, whatever you want. You, you actually become like a somewhat of a, more independent professional if i can say mm. that way and if you have one-way contract and the team wants to send you down to the ahl they have to put you on a waiver list mm. you're there for 24 hours and any team from the nhl can take you during from that, that list yeah. and based on how they placed last year the worst team has the upper hand of who's getting who's you. wanting you yeah right so uh so basically, because they don't use you, they put you on the kind of the farm team or, yeah. or like the the, yeah. the the association team. Yeah. Then they have to make you available for a twenty right. hours time frame. Yes. I, yeah. I guess during the trade window or or, or the yeah. trade deadline or something. No, a trade deadline's completely different okay. thing. But this this happens, you know, on a on a daily basis. That because it's it's a little more complicated than that. NHL roster can have twenty three players, mm -hmm. where in Russia you can have. 80 if you yep. want right yep. so there's there's no need for people to go up and down where here you have these rules where uh you know they didn't even expect that i would make that team uh -huh. but i did and we had two players were injured and because they're injured they move them out of the roster yep. i filled a spot and two months later when these guys were coming back they yep. were like okay what are we gonna do because yep. i was the only one who had a two-way contract everyone else had one way you know, say they knew if they're going to send me down, they're not going to be losing money because the two-way contract would mean that in NHL I was making 550 and in AHL I would uh, be making uh, 60 uh, right? So yeah. they, they wouldn't they, have to pay you. Right. So yeah. they try to sneak you through hoping yeah. that the other teams are not going to take you. Yeah. Uh, but if you do well, the other teams, uh, yeah, sometimes they do. So a team came for you. Yeah, Carolina. Uh-huh. What's their last name? Carolina Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Yeah. K Canos or something. Canes. Like Canes. Yeah. And and th I mean that's further south. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh or not, no. Yeah, it's further south for that's sure. It's further south, right? Carolina. What? Carolina, where is that? Which state is that? North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, it's it's warm. I, I mean we had snow maybe once in the three years that I was there and uh -huh. you know, it was like a little bit and everyone panicked and everything shut down so it's a really warm state 
like during the summer it's i don't know 35 37 degrees it's yeah, mosquitoes it's, it's really it's really bad yeah. and during the winter it's great because it's like you know if it gets down to like eight maybe you uh-huh. know so uh, yeah when it comes to living uh it's a great place to play when it comes to the hockey fan base mm. not that great because more south you go it's more like college sports you know so we had like uh three big schools like unc and uh what's the other one duke Mm. and these schools that every year they go to the you know the frozen four well no not final four four. the final four basketball yeah the march madness and stuff like that so yeah i mean a lot of a lot of famous basketball players come out of those schools uh, right like yeah, like there's now Jordan and yeah, yeah, he was in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Zion Williams, yeah, yeah. Whatever whatever names, yeah, yeah. Alonso Morning, and yeah, yeah. yeah. and and uh, so, so you you go to that team, and that that is on like a let's say a grown up contract, or 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 right, so yeah, so I, at that time I was on a two way contract, so uh, <clears throat> but after that year. I signed what is called a one-way contract. So no matter where I would play, I'm still getting the money that's in the contract. Mm. And uh, and how long, I mean, how does this work? Like, do you sign like a two, three years contract or five years? I mean, or can can the team, are you, is this very regulated or is are there? Uh, so up till you're... 27 you're what's called unrestricted free agent no Mm. restricted free agent Mm -hmm. which means that you have some kind of power you can somewhat negotiate on the how many years it's going to be and how much money Mm. Uh, but but uh, there is arbitration if the two teams don't agree how much money you should be making you go to arbitration where this independent Evaluation. Yeah, evaluation, mm. which is another crazy part of hockey where this team actually wants to wants you to sign and you want to sign with them, but you're trying you're trying to increase your value and they try to decrease it. So they're talking about you like you're the worst hockey player in the world. And they're trying at the same <laughs> time to sign you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so after you turn 27, you, you become unrestricted free agent, which uh-huh. means that you can sign whatever you want. And and in this case, when you moved, did you have like an agent working for you, or is there someone who does this for you? Or right, so I I had an agent ever since I was fourteen years old. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know all that stuff that we've been talking about. The agent's always the one delivering the message, or you know the draft to. And that's not your father. No, that's not my dad. <laughs> but <laughs> he, he was very involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's someone else, and. Yeah, and I, how and how so so in this case he negotiates for you uh, uh, when you move to Carolina, and and how how does that like does he get a commission of right, yeah of your salaries right, or, or yeah so it's uh, it depends on the on the country checks uh, get the most uh, they get five five or six percent I think of your salary uh i think uh americans i think it's like three or four and then obviously you know if you become a superstar you make a deal with your agent you're like hey you know i can get the contract without you 
uh, but you know, you've been with me for 15 years, so I'll just give you a one percent, mm-hmm. and they usually make some kind of deal like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the uh, and the and is there like if if you're not on the way way what's it called the wave waiver list waiver list yeah. yeah if you're not on that list and you're not like a free agent as such you know you you're under contract somewhere and and the team wants to buy you or trade for you mm-hmm. does it work the same like is it like in football that they submit an offer and they pay for you or is it more like a trade of players that we're moving this guy here and this guy there and then it fits you know yeah there is usual there is i don't think there can't even be a financial compensation so it's a little different because in soccer it's like the team has to agree and the player has to agree and it's much more complicated where in hockey it's just a business deal i'm gonna call you i'm gonna say this is the player i want what do you want from me so i can get him Mm -hmm. uh but there's no money involved it's either i mean draft rights or not the players yeah draft picks another player or you can retain a salary so let's say you make six million and i want you but i can only pay you three million Mm -hmm. then you know i do it in some way maybe the team wants to get rid of you so they'll be happy that i'll take half of your contract Uh, exactly uh but the player has no say so if you're traded you're traded Mm. so you just pack your bag and you go right so like and when that happens when you trade it like this i mean and you arrive you know you hop into a car or a plane and you fly you know five hours south or whatever yeah you know do they take care of you is everything you know the team arranges for your yeah it's uh it's it's really insane because so uh, let's say i wasn't traded but it's somewhat of a similar process right mm. like you're you know uh they tell me hey you're going on the waiver list and i'm like okay and i talk with my agent he's like hey i just talked with arizona they want you back your bags i have a plane ticket for you but we have to wait till it's official so this whole 24 hour you know window i'm thinking i'm going to arizona and the the window ends and i'm sitting in my coach's office and and they actually were making bets of which team's gonna take me Mm. uh and they're like okay you're going to carolina you got claimed by four teams and carolina was the worst last year so they have you know the upper hand Mm. and immediately you get a call from someone from the organization and they're like okay so we play tomorrow in colorado and we want you to play already so we're buying a plane ticket car leaves in 20 minutes get to the airport uh, we'll see in Colorado. So, you know, and then I flew to Colorado, got a cab, uh, went to the hotel. And then, you know, it's so it's easier for Americans. It's so hard for Czech people because we're so closed in and yeah. we don't make friends easily. Yeah. But you wake up in a hotel and you go to the lobby, you go for breakfast and, and you meet 30 new people. And, and, you know, I go into the elevator and there is one guy I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, we introduce each other. But what's really great about hockey is that the teammates are unbelievable. They just take you in right away. So like this guy meets me doesn't even know who I am almost. And he's like, let's go have breakfast. Uh, Takes another three guys. We sit at the table. They, you know, ask you about your family and, where are you mm. coming from? They really try to make you comfortable mm. and, you know, they pay for you and whatever it may be. And then the same night you play for a different team in, mm. in Colorado and maybe in two weeks you, you go back to Detroit and you play against Detroit, but you're already a player of 
some other team. So that's that's uh, very okay. insane. Interesting. <laughs> What about like medicals and stuff like this? I mean, do they do they check you? And I mean, like when you buy a car, you want to kick the tires to see if it's okay. I mean, do they? Is it something like that, or or you know, are you constantly being checked? Or so or you go through a medical before and after every season. But uh, when it's a during the season, you know, and they make trades, they you know they expose the all the stuff because it's in their best interest, right? Like they know they're going to be the GMs in the league for a long time and then they don't want to be shady and they want the other people to trust them. So they're not just going to send an injured player. So, uh, okay. So it's kind of a self-regulated circle of trust in a way. Right. Yeah. And you have all the medicals, right? So like every, every year you come in and the medicals, they take like five hours because it's like 30 separate rooms and, and you do concussion protocols, and you do blood work, and you do you know mm-hmm. urine, and you just they're they're literally checking everything. So uh, talking about talking about that, like urine and that stuff. I mean, what about drug and, and steroid testing? Because I know that's been one of the criticism of some of the American sports that they're uh-huh. not really on this anti-doping thingy. So, um, I mean, they don't do it during the you know medical exams because. The team doesn't have any interest in seeing if yeah, you yeah, do drugs yeah, or not. Yeah, but yeah. obviously, WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, they can show up anytime and and test you. So uh-huh. I've been tested so many times. This year in Russia, I was tested three times during the season. They just show up randomly and they just test you. But the the rules in Europe are much harsher than in uh, NHL. In NHL, if you you can do cocaine and 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 marijuana and you have no suspension nothing Mm. it's just you know it's i don't want to say allowed but uh it's not really punishable which in some way is makes sense because i mean if you if you start punishing for marijuana why wouldn't you then punish for a beer or you know what i mean i mean i know the classification is different and all that but in some way i never felt that like I, i remember when maradona for example was put on his band but i mean they it wasn't like I don't think a lot of football players would use cocaine to improve their performances on the mm-hmm. pitch. It's actually usually would work the other way around. Uh-huh. It would harm their performances. So I, yeah, I never really got this with this kind of recreational drugs. Why? Yeah. Why that? That is a big issue if it's not to improve your performance. But yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of look at it the same way. I I don't really understand it either. I mean, I guess that you know. Uh, Maybe THC might have some benefits, maybe for people that normally would be very anxious and couldn't, you know, concentrate. Concentrate, or, yeah. you know, it might help them in between games. A recovery, recovery and stuff like that. Who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. If I, I mean, if it would be up to me, I would be very open to, you know, these two things. I mean, I'm not supporting it or yeah, anything. But it, yeah, it, it, but to me as a player if you use steroids and you're trying to gain advantage over mm. me by mm. something like that, then it pisses me off. Yeah. If you go to a party and you want to ruin your life and do cocaine, then it's n- yeah, it's not so your be problem. It. Yeah. It's almost beneficial for me because yeah, yeah. it works against you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right? Against the person who does it. Right. Or should do. So, 
Yeah, so I don't know why it's so strict in, in Europe. Uh, that was mm -hmm. a case here in Czech. A uh, guy, they found a cocaine in his uh, blood and he got banned for two years, <sighs> which is insane. And e even if you would have here in Europe, if you would have steroids or something, you get two to four years in NHL if you test positive. The first punishment is 20 games. Mm -hmm. Then the second punishment, it doubles. Mm -hmm. right but you start with 20 games it's like a slap on a hand and mm -hmm. you're like mm -hmm. because they realize it, sometimes it can happen without your knowledge right yeah, yeah, so it like could be in a drug or yeah. in, in some food or whatever right. so so they do a good job of teaching you stuff that you know you have to buy from certain companies because they're nsf certified which means that they're super clean mm -hmm. where there's they say that 28 percent of normal stuff that you can buy over counter can be contaminated with other stuff because maybe the company makes their product in the same factory as a different company so if they don't clean the belts properly their stuff can get into yeah, their stuff residue, yeah. and then you might test you know positive without even trying to gain any mm. any uh, advantage. advantage yeah that's crazy um so you, how long is the season? How many games is in a season if you make it to the, you know, not maybe the finals, but you get into the playoffs? So it it's different. In, in Europe, it's usually around, like, in between 50 and 60, mm. the regular season. And then playoffs is usually another 16 to 20 games. Mm. Uh, US is 82 games. The NHL, they play 82 games, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, over over what eight nine months or, uh, it's like eight months they started. So it's two two October. games a week. Yeah, more. Two more and a half. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's still the same in Europe. The difference is that in Europe you have these national team breaks, so that that kind of takes four weeks away from your season. Yeah, but then you're just the, playing for the national team. Right. Yeah. Right. So it ends up being the same or like the the European preseason mm. the exhibition game you play much more than the NHL so they play four mm -hmm. well, I think we played like 11 so mm -hmm. it ends up being the same at the end of the day it's uh it's uh really physically <laughs> challenging sometimes and 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 but how I guess like you go on the road, so you have maybe like five, six away games in a row or, or even more. And then you come home and you have maybe five, six home games in a row. How is all this traveling? I mean, I, and, and, you know, you, I guess it's just an in and out all the time. I mean, you're just going right. to a place, playing yeah. the game and leaving. Right. So usually you leave the day before the game. So you're always in the city the day before, just so, you know, uh, you don't want to travel on the game day. You, mm -hmm. you really want to be feeling somewhat fresh but uh it differs right so like if you play here in czech or you know switzerland you sleep in your own bed every night because everything's so close mm. right but in the state is different yeah. right us us is different in a sense that uh i mean they do a good job scheduling mm. which you know they always try to find the best possible schedule for you and there's also divisions, and you play more games in your divisions, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is the closer. Yeah. Where in Russia, you just play with everyone. Well, it, it was different this year, but usually the previous years, we would play with everyone the same amount. So mm. we would fly to Vladivostok, which was 10 hours. Yeah. Uh, and there is three 
teams in the Far East. There was Khabarovsk, Vladivostok, and Kunlun. That was a mm. Chinese team uh, that plays in the league. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 crazy because you know you go there and it's a ten hour, eight eight or ten hour time difference. Yeah. So you get there and you're there for a full week and then you sleep during the day and you're awake during the night because you try to stay on your time zone time zone mm. right so uh you go for a practice and it's uh, i don't know 2 a.m because that's when you would go on the ice in i don't know i played in magnetogors so yeah. let's say in magnetogors uh so your your body is really paying the price because it's uh the all the flights and you know all the you're never in bus. the same bed also if you're you know you're in different hotels yeah. and yeah and uh, and uh, sorry to interrupt you but i was going to say that a huge difference is that like nhl you know you have the nhlpa which protects the players so they make like deals you know there was the lockouts that mm-hmm. like the players would mm-hmm. demand some rights stuff like that so playing in an nhl is mentally and physically challenging for sure but you know, when you go on the road, you stay at Ritz Carlton and, you know, the best hotels mm. in the city. Mm. It's you not have the YMCA. Yeah, you have the room for yourself and mm. you get $100 per DM so you can go for a good dinner. Mm. So it's much different than when you play in Russia and you go to a city like Cherepovets where, you know, there's, there only, the hotel. <laughs> there's yeah. only one hotel. Yeah. and it's a it's a key and on the key there's like a brick you know hanging on it so they don't even have like a key card and you you know some of these some of these places in russia are you know like you want to sleep in your clothes and do you want to have it it happened by the bed yeah it's you're saying it as a joke but it i know i've I've been to kyrgyzstan and kazakhstan and those places and i've been in these kind of hotels yeah right so uh like nizhnikamsk has a hotel where when we got there this year it was minus 47 degrees Mm -hmm. and the the hotel didn't really have a good insulation yeah so i would sleep in my clothes and (laughs) you know it's just you you try to get there as, as late as possible. You know, you don't really even go a day before the game. You just get there at like 11 p.m. because you just want to sleep and play the game and get out of there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- there is a huge difference in between. You know, th- th- there is a travel and there is a travel. In the U.S., the bus takes you all the way to the plane. So you go right away from the arena all the way to the plane. You stop right in front of the plane. You load the plane. When you get on the plane... There's already food in your spa. There's a really good food where in Russia you always have to go through the airport kind of, right? Like customs and all that. So that makes it so difficult because you get on a bus, get off the bus. Then you have to wait for the equipment managers to load the whole plane. So you're sitting on the plane for an extra hour and a half. And then there's much more time zones. So we would always get home at like 4 or 5 a.m. Um you know, so you go to bed 7 a.m. and you have to wake up at like, I don't know, 11 just so you kind of get back on your schedule. So they do a little different things for the teams from the far east and they're usually like three weeks on the road and three weeks at home. So Mm. it's not as harsh where we might play two games at home, two games away. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it gets pretty... 
pretty harsh. Yeah, sounds like that. But talking about the, I mean, I guess yeah, the t- t- traveling obviously can take its toll, especially when it's you know, like you know, uh, a lot of lot of flights and and time zones and all that stuff, and and not being on your rhythm. But but the sport itself also is extremely brutal. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I, I had never seen, I'd never been to a hockey game before I moved here. And, and actually it was the, uh, I'd been here just for like a month or two when somebody invited me to a hockey game out here. Sparta was playing someone here in Holzovice. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it's a lot of, there is a lot of contact. And you you don't stay on the ice for more than half a minute or a minute, I guess. And then you know there's very frequent substitutions to keep fresh legs on on the ice, and I guess that also maybe has to do with strategy. You know, like kind of what, what we mm-hmm. want to now we want to try and score, so let's put some more attack-minded people yeah. on. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. and this brutality, I mean, it's doesn't <laughs> hurt. I mean, they're they're trying to slowly eliminate it out of the game. Obviously, it's never going to be you know non-contact sport, or I hope it's not going to be. I mean. Uh, but then it's yeah but then it's not the same sport right and i know that you know uh people are complaining about fighting in hockey but uh when the nhlpa that protects the players they let the players vote on if they want to keep fighting or not sorry Mm -hmm. uh they always choose you know they outvote all the people right so they want to keep it in the sport they know that Mm -hmm. They need it in there because uh, if the fighting wouldn't be there, then, you know, some people wouldn't be held accountable, right? So, like, if you, you have a really good player on the team and they just decide to hit him into the boards, which would still technically be legal, mm. now the guy know he can do it without any repercussions. Where yeah, then he will if do that. If you have this guy who can fight, then he's going to think about it twice, right? Mm. So when it comes to the fighting, I think that's going to stay in. I hope it's going to stay in. But what they're trying to eliminate is like the open ice hits like straight into the head when, you know, like guys are not looking or they don't have a puck. Like I myself had two concussions and that's not mm. not joke at all. It's, uh, man, it puts you in, in a weird, weird spot. And I had a worse injury mm. or technically like that lasted longer, right? But like not... No injury is as bad as concussion. But but talking about this fighting a little bit, um, I, I want to talk to you about injuries because I know mm-hmm. you had a very kind of yeah career threatening injury. But but a little bit on the fighting, is it right that 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 there is a certain member of the team and he could even be on the bench and he might not even be a great player, but he's a great fighter. Is that? Uh, that's also something that's like getting out of the league in but a, it in was. a sense. It, it but was. it was big time. Uh-huh. Oh, every team would have three or four of those guys and their only job was to fight, beat the shit out of each other. If, you know. <laughs> and uh, do they practice that? I mean, <laughs> do you, do you, Oh yeah, they yeah. do. They teach each other and you know, they teach the other players to protect themselves and how they should fight and and they're usually the best guys on the team. People love them. And when know. and when they come on, you know, and they they take the helmet off to go in for a yeah, fist fight yeah. on a, on ice. Yeah, you That's can't what do would, it anymore. I would take. Can't. I would have my helmet on. You yeah, know, I would. I would. You have to now. You I can't would run. Even, yeah, you can't even take it on now. They, they so they, they they try to take some uh you know 
uh, what do you, what's yeah, the word? Precautions, precautions yeah. 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 Uh, but there's still guys that can fight and they're really good at it. But mm. nowadays, because, uh, you know, it's such a game based on system, they also need the player to be on the same page and mm. not, you know, they need him to have skills. Yeah. Like yeah nowadays, yeah, on a roster of 23 people, right. you can't really have passengers. Right. So nowadays, you have guys that are very tough, but they can also play hockey. Oh. So, like, from these, like, three, four per team, it got to, like, one or two per team. But these guys can also score goals, mm. you know. Or, you know, they're great defensemen or whatever mm. it may be. But they're much better hockey players than, than what it used to be. You you said that the the fining is often used as a kind of a consequence for for let's say pushing a player into the side, um, and that happened to you, right? You 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 got crushed into the what do you call this? These, boards. The boards. Mm-hmm. And and you had an injury like that, like a serious right. one, right? Yeah, but you know, in my case, I wish I could say that it was a you know a vicious hit. Mm. I guess that was some kind of intention. You know, obviously there always is. If you go to hit someone, you have that intention. But within it was within the rules. It was a clean hit. Mm. It was just uh, a bad coincidence of like the distance from me falling to the boards. Uh, That you know the way I landed was that you know my ass would be like right in the crack. You know, in between the ice and the boards, Mm. and it would snap my body in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to explain, but uh, the way. But what happened? I mean, what what broke? Right. So I broke my spine, two vertebrae. One was compression fracture, where that one's okay because it presses from top and the bottom. Uh huh. But the spinal cord's pretty protected, and it happens to a lot of people. Uh, but the other one was bad. That's the snapping one because that's called a chance fracture. It's like you have vertebrae and you slice it with an oh. You slice mm. it with a knife. Mm. Uh, so that, they told me that only happens in car accidents. So if you would drive, I don't uh-huh. know, 50 kilometers an hour. It's and like all a big flash in a way. It's, yeah, it's, like it's, you would, you would, you know, hit a, I don't know, uh, a light or something. Mm. Uh, you kind of snap forward yeah. and it snaps and it you breaks. in half pretty yep. much. Yeah. So that, that one's worse because the whole vertebrae is, you know, snapped in half and then it sits on top of each other, but it can, you know, Move. slide and move mm. and they don't know how that's going to recover and you know if it's going to be okay or not uh, it was you know you have so much adrenaline that in the moment you know you get hit and something hurts but like you're thinking in your head like okay well what am I going to do I have to get up you mm. know like I, I was always thought when I was a kid that my dad would always yell at me if you're not dead you stand up. Stand up and get off the fucking ice. Yeah. <laughs> so I was laying there and I was in some pain and I was like, oh, I have to get up and move. I could and it was like I couldn't breathe really. And it was uh so the trainer came came on the ice and some players and they kinda got me on my feet and I kinda skated away and I actually even walked to the locker room and I laid down and when I laid down and the adrenaline went out, that's when it like really started hurting Mm. and i was kind of laying on my side and i couldn't really breathe like i i think my whole back was like in a spasm kind of thing Mm. and the trainers uh 
you know that that's that's the tough part about professional athletes because you know if I, I don't want this to sound bad but if it would happen to someone else everyone would take precautions right mm. they would be like okay you stay on the ground because it obviously hurts mm. but we always want to get up and go back right mm. so it's hard you know the the threshold of pain i think is somewhere else uh based and on the expectation to you is different right yeah so i don't think many people would like would have broken vertebrae would get up and walk to the locker room mm. but because i did maybe the trainers thought it's not that serious yeah. so they were like okay well we're, we still have third period and you know go shower whenever you want and you know I, and i was trying to get on my feet and i was like i can't i i can't walk like i can't stand up on my feet mm. and they're like oh take your time no worries and and you know because we're taught our whole life that like oh, you're a man, you have to do it on your own, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, I, I just got to get to the shower. So I, I I, can't even describe the way I walked. It was probably hilarious for someone who would be looking at it from the outside. But now thinking back, the risk that I'm like walking barefoot mm-hmm. in a shower with mm-hmm. broken vertebrae, and I mm-hmm. could have slipped, and you know, it might be much, much worse. And I remember my two teammates dressing me up because I couldn't bend over mm-hmm. and I couldn't put my boxers on. So like they had to dress me up and, and then one of the Toronto doctors came over and he was like, let's, let's just do x-ray just to make sure. Mm. So I walked again to get the x-ray. They have that facility in the stadium right. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, I did. And he was like, okay, you have to stay put. Mm-hmm. And they would put me on a, on a stretcher and I couldn't move. And they called an ambulance and, and, uh, yeah, I went to the hospital and I had to do, uh, they made me do CT scan, I think. Mm. So I waited there and I was like, oh, I really have to pee. And the nurse is like, oh yeah, the bathroom is around the corner. So I had to walk again. (laughs) (laughs) So I probably have done more walking with broken vertebrae than anyone else. (laughs) And uh then i came back and and they're like okay the cd's ready i'm like okay and she goes can you walk and i'm like i guess i mean i've been walking all around (laughs) and she goes oh okay it's 100 meters this way turn right (laughs) so i went there i literally i couldn't really walk but i somehow got there and the guy is standing by the machine he's like yeah just give me five minutes so i'm standing there i'm shaky because you know i can't really hold myself up and yeah after they saw the 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 ct scan they were like okay you have to stay put and and i stayed in the hospital and and they were debating what they're going to do with me and Mm. uh i think for them it was a you know at that point i i felt much better because i think they gave me like muscle relaxers and stuff like that so it kind of released so i didn't have much pain pain Mm -hmm. uh but then they started walking in and they were starting to check my legs and they were had for the, the responses yeah and right so they had a needle and they kept poking me with the needle and they were like can you feel this and i'm like yeah oh that's so weird <laughs> like why is that weird like i so i i felt pretty confident that like it's probably nothing major mm. but then so many people started you know coming over it would be like three different doctors at the same time they would be looking at me 
And I guess they were debating like if they should do a surgery or if they should just take some kind of, you know, easy approach and, and mm. I had to do MRI. Uh, and this is the weirdest part because they keep me uh, in a laying position for 24 hours. And obviously they think it's very serious, but then they decide not to do the surgery and they're like, okay, you're flying to Carolina tonight. Get on a cab and see ya. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I was laying on bed for 24 hours because you guys were worried that I'm going to walk or something and now I'm going to be sitting in a cab and then, when it's like and bouncing then, and then, and there's going to be flying. potholes and, and flying. flying. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so I had an assistant GM was there with me and they gave me some kind of brace uh-huh. that would protect that from moving and shifting. And then when I got in uh, Carolina, that's where the process started because I had to go see the team doctor and stuff mm. like that and that's where it got interesting. And then and then you start I mean, yeah, this this kind of injury is I guess can be kind of a career ending injury. And, yeah. and but you start your recovery did they give you any kind of prognosis on you know like oh you're never gonna play hockey again or you know was there some so doomsday in this you know or yeah there was i mean the worst part was that the the injury was so unusual in sports Mm -hmm. that no one knew what to do Mm -hmm. you know and i was kind of left on my on my own and and they sent me to a doctor and the doctor saw the mri and stuff like that and he said that uh we're gonna watch if the if it slides or not if it's uh and he's giving me about i think he said 60 or 65 percent chance of recovery Mm. Um, but if not then he's gonna have to screw all my vertebrates together which would be two above and two below so six of them would be screwed together Mm. which yeah that would be career ending for sure Mm -hmm. and but he was so negative that me and my girlfriend, we, we walked out and, and she's American and she worked for Duke Hospital at the time. And I was like, I'm not coming back to this guy. Like, I'm yeah. already negative as it is and I need someone who's going to, you know, pump my tires a little bit and mm-hmm. told me that everything's going to be okay. So through her, I got to a really doctor in Duke Hospital and, and he had a completely different, you know, mindset and approach and and he was much more positive and, and I would be... I, I had like a 3D made brace that I wore for two and a half, three months maybe. Mm-hmm. So first two months I was just laying in bed. Yeah, to let the, just to give the the the, the thing chance right. to grow together again. Yeah, I guess, right. You know? So I I would you know every couple of weeks I would go get X-rays just to see that everything's okay, that it's not sliding or anything, that it's still intact. And other than that, I. I would just be laying in bed and maybe I would go for a lunch, but you know, mm. it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough times because you have so much free time and, and you, I guess you play a lot of PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. But out of 12 hours, you know, yeah. that you have in the day, probably even more 16 hours actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would, you know, watch a movie, read a book, uh, play Xbox and, you know, call family and mm. and stuff like that. And first two months, you know, were tough. But 
then you can slowly start doing stuff and you know you can plan the recovery and and when were, were you able to start training for hockey you know, to make it back in hockey I, how long i mean i was out for eight months mm. in retrospect i probably should have been gone for longer because i think i came back way too fast and i wasn't ready uh as in the recovery of the injury or just right. yourself uh more the injury i i mean it's your spine it's uh, you don't have mm. anything more important in your body i don't think and mm. it's related to so many other things that you know if you break your pinky i mean it grows back together in a couple of weeks and you know no. but it doesn't affect your heel or everything's connected through the spine so mm. you know it has so much effect on the rest of your body so mm. maybe the spine was healed in a sense that the bone grew back together but wearing the brace for two and a half months i completely lost all, all my muscle, muscle. Um, uh, so that, the protection of the spine was gone right mm. yeah and you know that's kind of like your more most important area because it connects your limbs and mm. if that's not strong the other things are not strong yeah. and then i think it somehow changed the composition of my body and the muscles i was using so when i came back i wasn't used to it and maybe mm. in retrospect i was i was too weak but you know on the other hand i know that it's business and i only had one year left on my contract and i had to was come back to I show was, that yeah, you, right yeah. and i was worried that like if i'm not gonna come back i'm gonna lose my job which at the end of the day happened anyway yeah. and in retrospect i should have taken much more time and come back more ready mm. uh but it could have you know i would probably miss the whole year Mm. and then i would be out of contract anyway so yeah because that's what happens in in in, in this is that when you're on a contract year or like the last year of your contract it's, it's really important, important to yeah. play because that that's you know either to convince your current team to resign you or, or yeah. keep you or to attract interest from other teams yeah so you come back they and they didn't want to keep you i mean I think it was I think it was very difficult for them as well because obviously it is a huge business and you can't just keep someone around if he's not 100%, right? So um you know it was frustrating for me because these people didn't give me any uh solutions, you know, they didn't come up with ideas. Maybe, you know, you could tell me, "Hey, take another three months." I have this great trainer in Toronto. Go see him, work with him for three months, mm-hmm. then come back. The support gonna, wasn't as you. Gonna, it it was a support, but it was a support of like no rush, but mm-hmm. also no ideas of how to make it better. And at, at, honestly, at that point, I didn't even know how to make it better because I worked out with my trainer here in Czech Republic that you know I had for many years, and maybe i did some extra stuff on top of that mm. but i didn't have the knowledge that i have today right where i'm sure there's people in hockey that had the knowledge there was uh you know and that's why i'm talking about toronto because two years later i still had medical issues and you know i and i thought it was related you know to that injury mm. and i found this guy who also had broken vertebrae and came back and played in NHL another 10 years and had a great career mm. and now he's a you know 
uh, trainer, like a gym trainer. Mm. He trains like Connor McDavid and these guys that are top in the world. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, you're missing this kind of right. gu guidance on or, right. or ideas. Right. Or, or I would come to the ring and I'd be like, "Hey, can you crack my back?" Because like my back would always spasm, and like I would feel great one day, mm. and then I would feel like shit for six days, mm -hmm. you know. And it was so hard to predict or like. Now I already know that like, okay, today I feel this way. What should I do so I feel better tomorrow? Yeah, you learned like, it, I already yeah. learned it. Mm. Where then I had no idea. I didn't know what it triggers, you know, how it's triggered, what should I do, how to avoid the bad stuff. And that's where I, I think needed a little more help. But you know how U.S. is, it's like... Uh, they don't want much responsibility because it's, you know they're yeah, afraid yeah, of something, them, right? Yeah, so yeah. like, oh, yeah. I I would go to a chiropractor here and check, right? And we're more hands on, and mm -hmm. he would really help me, and I I could really feel that like my body's feeling better the next day, and I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. And maybe if I would have him with me there, it would have been the whole thing would be better. But mm -hmm. I was kind of left on my own in a sense that like I would be like, hey, can you crack my back? And they're like, no, yeah. I'm not yeah. getting into it, right? Uh -huh. So. Then I had to find different people and try to, you know, it, it was just a... I think people would be surprised to hear this because, I mean, one one would think that that what one thing that a professional sports team does is to take care of their most important assets, which are the players. But obviously in the U.S., I mean, it, it's colored by this fact that nobody wants to be made responsible because if, if something would go wrong and you were paralyzed, they're fucked. Right. And and they do. I mean, NHL is great when it comes to this, and the doctors and all these people are, you know. And even till this day, like uh, a couple of years ago, I was already in Russia and and I had a concussion, and I and I know I can call these people, and they're gonna try to, you know, still help me. Or mm. I had a shoulder injury. Like this injury was just so unusual that people didn't really know what to do. You yeah. know, like if there would be ten other players previously that had that injury i know that all these people would be like oh, okay this is what you have yeah, to yeah. do yeah. it's like with the nba they always right. have this oculus tendon thing yeah. and now it's yeah. just like a routine yeah right when it's something common they're like mm. okay you have to do this 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 where with me it was like mm. no one knows and and but so you you stop playing for carolina or yeah the so contract no, I, ends. I, yeah i still i still came back and and uh you know when we talked about mindset earlier maybe maybe this this i don't even know if it's true right but when i got injured a, a lot of the days i would be thinking like man if i can come back and and score one more goal in the nhl like one more goal that would be unreal mm. and you know i i i love to play for the fans i i like if there is no people i it, it's not that much fun mm. you know and there's no better feeling that you know than scoring a goal in the best league in the world. You know, yeah. doing the sport that you've done since in, you were a kid, yeah, yeah in yeah. front of twenty thousand people, and and I was able to come back and I still played and I scored exactly one goal. Yeah. And maybe maybe I should have uh, said higher, yeah. you know, dreams, and maybe I should have dreamed a little bigger. But I mean, that's that's questionable. But I did came back and and played about. 15 games and and yeah like i said like i could have had a really good game because i felt great that day and then two games would be bad because i just like my legs just couldn't move mm -hmm. and i didn't know why 
And so after a while, they uh, they sent me down to their AHL team. Mm. And yeah, I pretty much finished the season there and, and then it was done. And obviously, you know, it, during the season, like the emotions are high and you, you kind of, uh, you're frustrated. And, and so you get into, you know, some fights within the organization and stuff like that, that mm. obviously doesn't help. But uh, at the time, maybe I thought that, that, you know, they owed me a better chance or they, they owed me, you know, mm. to be more patient. Uh, so I was upset. Uh, or, you know, to them it was, well, not to them, to everyone in, in NHL, you're as, long, uh, you're as good as your last shift. That's, mm. that's a saying. Mm. And you need to win every night, right? It's all about wins. Yeah. And all the personal stuff. It's kind of secondary to that. Not, it's not even existent. It's yeah. not even secondary. Yeah. It's yeah. just uh, maybe if you're like the top, top, top player. Yeah. And they know that if they're going to give you the time, you're still going to become that. Mm. Where it wasn't, you know, my case. Uh, so on, I didn't even want to go back there because I was mm. kind of, you know, really frustrated and fed up of how the situation, you know, ended. Mm. And... And then during the summer, I got an offer from Russia mm. and, you know, I just felt like it would be better to change the scenery and, and go somewhere where you're actually wanted mm. and you're going to have a lot of ice time and you can prove yourself again. Talk, yeah, so, so I mean, you've been playing in Russia until now, so so this is what, four, five years ago? Four, four years, years ago, ago, yeah. And, and I mean... For those who don't know much about hockey, people like me, then, I mean, the big nations are Canada, the U.S., Sweden, Russia, um, Czech Republic, Slovakia. Finland. Finland, yeah. Yeah, that's about Nor- it. Norway, Germany, uh, their ger- second ger- tier. Germany is getting better. Uh-huh. Uh, Switzerland is getting much better. And how, but if you look at the league, like in, in Russia versus like the NHL, is, is that like... Um, Apart from what you explained about the hotels, which has more about to do with how Russia as a country is than than the league, but but if you compare the NHL to like the Russian league, NHL is better, better uh-huh. league, better hockey. You know the best players in the world play in the NHL. Okay, uh, KHL is a very good league on its own for sure. A lot of good players, uh, but you know. All the import players like me, if they would have a chance to play NHL, they would rather play NHL, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the so Russians. So, if, if I get a million in the NHL, what would I be getting in 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 Russia? Like, if I got a million dollars a year in the NHL, uh, this is really tricky because, uh, I would I would say this: if you if you would be making the league minimum in NHL which is 700,000 mm. you're better off playing in Russia you're going to mm. make more money uh-huh uh if you make million and a half and higher in NHL it's better to be in it in NHL money wise obviously mm-hmm. because uh, obviously you have taxes and all that. So from 1.5, you still going to end up making, I don't know, 750, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, which the best players in KHL probably make 
even more than that. Mm-hmm. But you get a lot of benefits as an NHL player. You have pension. So mm-hmm. once you turn 62 every year, they send you money. You get pension. Uh, you have the best uh, health care you know, insurance. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's you're it. you're ta- talking me into the draft. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going for the draft. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it's a good deal. I mean, yeah, it's a they great look deal after you in, in yeah, that sense. Yeah, right. So like, uh, let's and say, the Russians are different with this. I mean, they might pay you more now, but there's less. Yeah, there's nothing fr- after, fringe benefit. Right? Yeah, and um, so let's say uh, in NHL, you know, your wife's pregnant. You know, she just gets the best service mm-hmm. for free because the value of the insurance is like forty thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. like that's the benefit you're getting and mm-hmm. when it comes to the pension like yeah you might be getting like even if you would maybe make a little less in nhl than khl then because uh, my dog harassing yeah. you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's very excited now um the, the pension is so for each year that you play in NHL, you get, I want to say, $21,000 in your kind of like a pension fund. Mm. But it's not the amount of 21000 That means that once you turn 62, mm. that's the amount you're going to be getting each year, mm. right? So like, let's say for a guy who played in NHL 10 years, he's, he's going to be getting $210,000 a year. Once he turns sixty-two, okay, here I come. Draft here I come. So, so then if you count it, let's say I'm just gonna throw numbers. He's gonna, I don't know, play till he's uh, live till he's eighty-two. So it's twenty oh. years. Oh. He makes another four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? So that's the benefit of playing in the NHL, mm-hmm. which you don't get in in KHL. No, four point five million dollars. Right, I'm. Mean, we're gonna. Yeah, we're, year, we're right? gonna. We're gonna edit this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But but uh, but okay. So and and talking about that, how long is a career? I mean, how? Right. That's that's the other part, right? So like, average NHL career is five years, mm-hmm. not even. It's like four point something, right? So that's how quick the turnaround is. So, uh, yeah, uh, those times the guys played. Till they were forty. Mm. Now, when you're thirty-three, like you're getting out of the league. Mm-hmm. In Europe, you can play till you're like thirty-seven, thirty-six, mm-hmm. thirty-seven, and then you know there is obviously uh, some guys that outliers. Play, you know, yeah, someone right, who is yeah, really yeah. older and someone, yeah, yeah. But I would say that the average career could be like ten years. Mm. So, yeah. And what about like, you know, because when you're, when you're, do you get sponsors? I mean, do like if you play in the NHL, you could have sponsors also, you know, someone, I don't know, you could be on a, some, some morning cereal advertisement or something yeah, locally or whatever, you know? You know, hockey is not as big as like NFL and NBA. So mm. there might be a couple players that have some deals like that, you know, the best of the best, uh, but it's not very common. Uh, you know, I remember coming into the league, uh, there's teams that they're called the big market, mm. and then there is a small market, right? Like Carolina was a small market, so mm. there was no need for 
companies to like pay you extra to wear their stuff, right? So like you have these companies like Bauer, CCM, uh, Nike, mm. uh, something else. So these reps would come in and they would be like in Detroit, they would pay players to play with their stuff, right? Mm. So they would pay you, I don't know. I didn't even have a game yet and I made $12,000 just to play with their sticks that I would play with anyway. Yeah. Because I didn't want to change. But in Carolina, right? they wouldn't do that because they Carolina, don't have to. Yeah, they can't Carolina, sell enough yeah. sticks in Carolina too. Right. So mm. there's no benefit for them. So you get nothing. Maybe one player in Carolina would have a deal mm-hmm. or two, but that would be it. Yeah. So this is not like in, in some other sports where maybe even the sponsorship deals can be bigger than the income. No, it, it's interesting because I saw this picture the other day of how uh, paychecks of like these major sports evolved and uh i want to say uh, 20 years ago it was like the three highest paid players and it was around the same it was nfl was like 13 nba was maybe 12 and hockey player was like you know 10 million per year right mm. and now we're 20 years later and nba is like 43 mm. nfl might be even more right mm. mlb and nhl is still at like 14 mm-hmm. which is bizarre but it's a very specific sport right like Mm. it's hard to uh make your fan base bigger because it's you know you can't just go to a different country and throw out a pair of skates and tell people to play because they don't have a rink yeah where soccer you give people you know soccer ball and and they can play on the next grass yeah and you gain fans quicker i mean i think the nhl is doing a good job of like uh spreading it around but it's much more you know slow process yeah. and yeah because i mean you yeah you you don't seem i saw it actually for the first time after moving here i saw this winter where you had like proper frost and and, and some of the 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 ponds here in, in 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 the parks were frozen and it's the first time that i actually see kids play hockey on ice here mm-hmm. but you see them play football every day or basketball or whatever yeah. so it's yeah it's a it's again it's kind of this entry barriers in a way yeah to the sport yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, um, yeah, so you you spent four years now in in Russia, and and uh, and I'm. Uh, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, obviously in this part of the world, Ru- Russia has been the main influencer. I mean, po- politically and historically. The, the, I mean, this is the big, big uh, elephant in the corner somehow. Um, and you know. I have to say that, like, I haven't felt that um, Czech Republic or the people here are a- extreme fans of Russia, to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, how is that to go as a Czech? I mean, I know that you spent a long time away from from here, and you were young when you got, went to Canada and then to the States. But is it easy? Uh, n- no, it's not easy. Obviously, you know. Uh, Mostly it's because of what happened here in the past, you know, 60, mm. 70 years. And and with the older generation, it's, you know, it's really stuck with them where I didn't grow up with it. Uh, so when it comes to some people's hate for Russia, I don't really feel the same way. Uh, for me, it was harder because I know they're a much different mentality. Mm. Where in the U.S., everyone's very welcoming and, you know, they're smiling and is your best yeah. friends right yeah. away where take you to breakfast yeah in, in russia it takes uh you know 
they don't speak English at all, you know, not even at the airport. So how am I going to, you know, what am I going to say when I'm going to get there and how mm-hmm. am I going to catch my flight and is anyone going to be waiting for me? And, you know, um, so for me, it was more about the mentality, which uh, I don't think their mentality is bad. I it's mean, just different. It's just different. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you know, there is pluses and minuses about American mentality, same mm-hmm. in the Russian one. I like the honesty in the Russians. When they tell you something, you right. know that they actually fucking and when mean you, it. And when you become their friend, yeah. you're their friend for life. Exactly. Like they actually... Yeah, you're you're their brother. Yeah, and they would be willing to you know jump yeah. in front of a bullet for you. Mm. Uh, or you know, Americans are very nice and very welcoming, but not as extreme once you become a friend. Mm. You know, mm. so so that part was hard, but you know, obviously y- you have understanding for the older generation why. They feel the way they feel, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but you know, I didn't. I didn't really grow up in it, so I. Mm. I, I don't. You know, I don't. And you don't feel it from people feeling. like, oh, you guys that are playing in Russia, you should be there. I mean, there's no no right. one is talking like this. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you know, you're 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 so secluded when you when you play hockey there because you don't really get to meet like. Regular regular people, people. Oh. Uh, not much really. Mm. Uh, so it's mostly the hockey players, mm. but you know, uh, it's um, it's obviously it's 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 different, right? For for uh, multiple multiple reasons, the habits, right? Like mm. you go in and you shake everyone's hand every day and and you know, in the US it's just like, hey, how you doing? You always mm. ask them how they're doing, even though yeah, you, don't yeah, care. you don't care. Yeah, yeah. Or here you don't ask anyone anything. Yeah. And if you're not friends with someone, you're just not friends with someone. And yeah. it's yeah, it's uh it was definitely more difficult to adjust than in the US because mm. you know I feel like us Czech Republic we're somewhere halfway in between those two countries. Mm. Uh, so there is a lot of things that you know uh I got used to in the US and had to readjust because that's mm. not very common there. Mm. And how and how is it um how is it I mean, I know you played for the national team here. You have some games for the Czech national team in hockey. And I, I guess, I mean, you're still in the picture. I mean, if you made the team a few times, you you could make it in the future. I mean, um, does that make you proud? to? Play? Is that the proudest moment in hockey when you play for a national team? Or how is that? Uh, I'm not sure if it's the proudest moment. There is there's moments of it that you really remember like this year i i got to be the captain of the national team which mm. was a huge accomplishment for me and mm. that was that was great um i think still my biggest accomplishment in in uh hockey was making it to the nhl and and scoring some goals and having some success you had like 13 or 15 goals or, or how yeah, probably something like that. I don't know. I oh. I had like I don't know fifty 60, fifty 60. points in like hundred and thirty games or something oh. like that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to play for a national team. But like the the real deal of a national team is the world championship. Mm. Like that's where the you know best of the best go. Mm. Uh, 
these moments you're really proud of. Then there's these tournaments during the season. There's always four during the season. One in Czech, one in Sweden, Russia, mm. and Finland. Mm. Which uh, it's obviously a great experience. But then you get older and you always go to the s- same tournaments, and uh, you know it. You're still glad that you're playing for a national yeah, but team, it's, but it's, it's not as exciting anymore. No, no. The, the other, the, the thing that is exciting is that you get to you know change the scenery a little bit and you leave from meet russia new, and you go with your other people yeah. yeah yeah a lot of either meet new people or you know a lot of these guys we grew up together so we're mm. really good friends and then we go for the national team and we have some beers and mm. you know catch up and you know we complain and we you know share stories and stuff mm. like that and it gives you such a mental break mm. during the year that um you know you just go back to your team and you're recharged mentally and sometimes it's more important than the physical recharge mm. Mm. where are you going to go from now i mean you're 30 you just your contract in russia expired yeah what's next uh who knows it's uh it's I don't want to say nerve-wracking time because I know I'm going to find a job. It's more of a question of where. Mm. Uh, uh, Do you have a dream? Is there a dream destination? I mean, would you... Right. So so there is different options and they all have something that I really want. Mm. Uh, but then also, you know, there is things that are better in the other destination, right? So mm. you... I would want to spend another year in Russia, but people go to Russia for the money. That's the best money you can make, right? Mm. Uh, but it's not my ideal location of playing hockey, and I would love to play in Switzerland, mm. right? It's a great country. And they have, their hockey is actually their decent. Their hockey yeah. is really good, but the money is not as good as the, the But the taxes Russian. are low. And you don't even, as an import, you don't even pay taxes. Yeah. You, you, you get the money like already pre-taxed and they pay for your living and and car too in switzerland and then obviously playing home would be great too right like Mm. i didn't play home for 13 years and Mm. and i'm getting older and and it's drawing me you know back home every year Mm. but then same thing right like i would love to play home but I would want to live in Switzerland, mm. at, but I would be one of making money as you play in Russia, right? So like, <laughs> uh, it yeah, it depends. That's a complicated, you know, but then you have you know you have thirty teams in Russia, and you have I don't know fourteen teams in Switzerland, and and fourteen here, and then you pretty much wait, you know, who's gonna offer you, and what is it gonna be, right? Mm. So if my ideal team in Russia would offer me, I would take it, no doubt, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's a team that maybe I don't want to play yeah, for, then, then I'm going to move yeah. on, right? So they so have to evaluate this, all these options again. Yeah, yeah. so we will, we will see what's going to happen. I think over the next month, uh, we'll be talking with teams and see where, uh, where I could end up. Mm. I uh, yeah I was so how many I mean how many years do you think you have left and and what 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 happened then what happens to a hockey retired hockey player yeah so uh, in my mind I guess I feel like it takes me 
my preparation takes me so much, you know, because of what I've been through to mm. get ready for games and workouts and stuff like that, uh, that I cannot do it obviously forever. But uh, some people say, oh, I'm just going to play as long as people are going to, you know, pay me for it, which mm. I don't really see it that way. I, I, I would want to play till I'm 35, but I don't want to be one of those guys that keep playing just because they're afraid of what's out there after mm. they're done playing, right? Because it's a it's a uh, tough times for professional athletes when they yeah, have I mean, to, it's 18 years of your life that right. if you quit at 35, then it's 18 years for right. you that you've done. So what, what would you do then? Uh, you know, there's a lot of things meanwhile that you prepare for and i'm glad that like there's people around me that you know help me not prepare for i don't want to say prepare for a real life but you know you obviously want to try to be uh smart about your savings right so like you don't want to spend all your money now because mm. uh like all these numbers that we were talking about they sound great mm. but you make these numbers for 10 years mm. right so uh in reality, if you take it from those 10 years and split it in 40, or 40 yeah, yeah. then it's a whole different game, right? So you just want to invest your money in a smart way that the best case, well, not the best case, but there's some people that they don't have to do anything anymore, mm. right? Mm. So uh, I don't know if it's a best case. Even if I would be in that position, I would still want to have a job, right? And what would that be? Uh, that's a tough question, right? Because mm. a lot of players, uh, I feel like it's natural for them to, you know, become a coach or, you know, like you said, trainer and, and all these. But uh, I always said maybe I could be a coach, but I only in case that I have enough money that I know I don't do it for the paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to do it because I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I would be doing it for a paycheck, I would rather do something else, right? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like, especially in U.S., uh, former athletes are demanded, even though they don't have, you know... Yeah, the, the, the training or the yeah, skills. Yeah, right, because, yeah. because the of mindset. their mindsets yeah. and because of the, the, the fact that they can, you know, uh, solve problems and, you know, they're, mm. uh, they can take care of themselves. So... Uh, like my ideal scenario that I somehow created in my head was because I've been so much uh, through so much and I've played so many places and I know how it feels and I know how it feels to be great and I know how it feels to be at the bottom. Uh, and there was always something that was a little missing in, in my life and that was someone who's been through it that can help the young players, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so more like a mindset. Uh, I, I would almost want to be like a, you know, let's say I would talk to a college and I would say, hey, I just want to be like a big brother for the players, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I want to be there for their mental growth and mental health, mm -hmm. right? So they have someone because uh, a lot of these kids, they live out of home, right? It's mm -hmm. not they live with their parents and they can talk to their parents or maybe mm -hmm. there's something that they want to talk to their parents about, but the parents have no idea because they never played the sport, yeah. right? So yeah. they don't understand what's behind it. So like my that would be my ideal scenario where I, 
I would just want to talk with the people and and support them with your experience, support them mentally, and talk about different things and and focus on other things too, right? Mm. Not just hockey, but life and Mm. uh, build their character and and you know help them grow as as human beings at the same time and mm. help them if they have problems take take them out for lunch talk about their issues you know stuff mm. that you know they might be afraid to say to someone else or mm. to talk to the coach and tell the coach and mm. yeah so that that's something that would be interesting to me mm. uh another thing would be real estate mm. uh but that's boring. Uh, for some people, it might be boring. I actually, I actually enjoy it. I, uh, I, I could picture myself uh, maybe buying an apartment, redoing it, selling it. Mm. Uh, you know, something like that. But uh, honestly, Ooh. I can't even tell you because yeah. I, I sometimes I. Uh, I think about it and I'm like, oh man, what is it gonna be? But mm. I just, I just know that the fact that you don't know is not gonna stop you. You know, I just mm. don't want to be sitting at home on a couch and thinking about what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna probably try multiple different mm. things and I'm gonna mm. find something and I'm just gonna go with it. And and but I know it's gonna be hard time. It's hard time for any hockey it's player. A big, yeah, you know? it's a hard transition to go right. from this action and and attention right. and all that. Right. It's a lot of adrenaline. Well, can you imagine you get into a fight? You know, uh, verbal fight mm. <laughs> with uh, your spouse, mm. and you are angry, but then you can go play hockey the next day, and you just get it get out it of out. your system, yeah. right? Yeah. Or you go work out and get it out of your system, and mm. and yeah. So and then. Uh, I don't want to say fame or, but like the adrenaline and the like attention and the attention and the fact identity. that like 20,000 people mm. are watching you and they admire you in a sense. And I'm sure that this is like very primal thing and I don't want to be that way, obviously. And I, I don't put any value to it, but I know at some level it's there, it, it's there. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that you're going to be missing, right? It would Some be, people you would more be than others. Fooling yourself if you said it's not there. I mean, it's for right. everybody. And right. Um, but I, I, I've actually, I, I, I watched somebody and I became a nobody, and it's great. It's <laughs> once you kind of get over the the, yeah. the first part of it, it's it's amazingly liberating. Right. So it, it's it's based on how you know how good or famous you were right yeah. like i wouldn't i would never want to be like a movie star that you walk on the street and everyone knows you right oh, but, but then you have to fix that tooth because this <laughs> your this missing tooth in your mouth is a trademark that gives you up you yeah know? right uh but then you also get some benefits out of you know being a professional athlete and mm. and people treat you better yeah. and that's something that it opens doors right mm. right and you might lose that eventually and and i think people have hard time dealing with it mm. but i just hope that it's not going to stop me and and uh you know i just i just want to move on and and find something else in life because you know i'm going to be 35 but i have another 35 years ahead of me mm. And I don't want to just play golf and no, sit on a couch, start right? A, start a podcast. Uh, <laughs> is there any 
Is there any regrets? Do you feel that you missed out on something because you were busy training as a kid or a teenager? I mean, like, do you look now and say, ah, oh, shit, I wish I could have been partying more or something? Or you're, you're content with all this? Um, well, when it comes to partying, I'm very content. Like, mm. there was times that I definitely enjoyed myself and, and you know, people here in Czech start a little younger. The restrictions are not as bad, so... Mm. And nobody cares. Nobody even cares. Even if there are so, restrictions. Yeah, so, you know, I remember we would go out when we were, like, 15 already, mm. right, to a club. So that's... Now saying it, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, oh. it's insane. We're kids. Uh, and then when when you play AHL, it's still a good time to get it out of your system just because mm. you're technically not popular mm. and you don't have money that like someone yeah. would you know go after you or it would be a huge scandal mm. uh, so that's a good time to to still party but once you're in the nhl or khl it's you're more like you know if you do want to injure yourself you're almost hiding because yeah, of yeah. you know social media and stuff like that mm. but when it comes to anything else i mean you don't feel you missed anything regrets i mean that was a period of time that, you know, I was a little over the top and I wouldn't even go for a beer. Or I would be working out twice a day and I really, it was way too much uh, just because the organization pushed me so much that, you know, mm. it got me really motivated. And I mean, I lost a lot of friends just because I didn't have time for them, but it was a sacrifice I had to make to, mm. to make it. And, and, so you lose some relationships. Uh, but you make new ones as well. Yeah, I mean, that's maybe one thing that I regret on the whole process that, you know, maybe I should have enjoyed it a little more along the process. You know, mm. like you're in the NHL and it's the it's the best league in the world and you, you want to, you know, you should be enjoying it every day, right? Mm. But it's such... Uh, a big stress mm. you know every day you can lose your job you know mm. every day something can happen and and what if i don't play well tonight you know or you have a bad game and you're thinking oh man the next game's got to be better otherwise i'm losing my position right mm. so and then uh you know guys are going out and you're like no i know if i'm gonna drink i'm not gonna feel good tomorrow and and mm. i can't afford it you know so Maybe maybe when it comes to this, like in retrospect, I would, you know, let go a little bit and, and enjoy those times and make more friendships, right? Mm -hmm. Because now when I'm getting older, I know that it's, you know, at the end of the day, what, you know, you're done playing hockey and what's left, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the things you remember the most is, you know, the good times you had with the boys and, and the friends that you've made along the way. And mm -hmm. what's fun about it is that, uh, I don't know, uh, you you have one friend in Toronto and you have one friend in Finland and you have one friend there and, mm. and you know that you're in the country and you can give these guys a call anytime and they're yeah. going to take you in and you guys going to have a great time and reminisce. And, and mm. uh, I know that when I was in the actual NHL, I was so focused that all, this, all these things went, you know... Mm away and and maybe i should have uh like go a little bit yeah but i think that's quite normal when you when you are kind of at least on your first contract and you know you're kind of fighting yeah. for your life i mean it it's 
it's all it's hard to to relax in that situation yeah. i can i i i felt that i mean my business career was the same you know the first two three jobs i was super engaged with the fact that i was in this and i made a lot of sacrifices that i might you know not be super yeah. happy with today but you know um right. one last thing um is your father proud <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, you know, uh, I hope he is. Mm. Uh, but he would tell you. Yeah, that's not the way my dad works, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, that's... that's that's. Uh, but he sends you some signals, right? Or you, you sense it somehow? or uh, uh, Very mixed signals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, you know, uh, like playing with all those different people and, and the different, you know, cultures and and you can see that like, you know, Swedish players, they're always super confident because the pl- the parents just tell them all day long that, that you're the, the best, best and you're mm-hmm. the best and, and they can't even touch him. And, you know, they're like, we call them, you know, silver spoon in their mouth and... Yeah. And, you know, I can see it with my, you know, future wife that I can see it so instilled in her from her childhood that, like, they've been telling her that, you know, you she's do great and beautiful mm. and, you know, it's whatever you want. And and we never grew up that way. Like, mm. it was my dad was more of a, uh, like, for one good thing, he would say 25 bad things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I know this. Uh, I, I come from the same. Yeah, so so I've never, you know, obviously we don't really have a word I love you in Czech. We do, but we don't use it in the same way as Americans do. Mm. That, you know, you love this and love that. In Czech, it's more intimate and it's mostly in between lovers and partners. You don't really tell that to your kids, you know. Mm. Uh, I I don't know if I've ever heard that, you know, him say that uh, mm. he's proud of me. It's also, he also has this kind of mindset where if he sees that I'm too happy, he's going to knock me down a bit mm-hmm. and put my feet on the ground. Mm. And if he sees that I'm maybe too hard on myself, he's going to tell me, oh, oh, it's okay, you yeah. know. But so it's he wants not to, unconditional. Yeah, it's not unconditional. And okay. and the proudest I I probably have seen him was when he played my first NHL game, and he actually jumped on. The, like these are the things that I know he's happy and proud. Yeah. Right? Like he came on a plane. I called him and I said, "Hey, I I might be playing tomorrow." Like it was such a shock to all of us. And and the next day I'm messaging him, and the messages don't come through. And and then I'm messaging his wife, and she's like, "Yeah, he." Uh, jumped on a plane yesterday he's flying to detroit yeah so like these are the things that i know that he is proud and 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 he that's how he shows his love i guess Mm. uh but it's never verbal right like Mm. uh but yeah after the first game i came out and i was like man i probably could have you know done better and and he was like are you crazy man you're 23 years old you just played your first nhl game it's unbelievable Mm. Uh, so that was probably like the proudest proudest moment mm. uh, that I've experienced with him. It's oh, interesting because he's a, he, I mean, he's really like an influential. He put in you, and I mean, obviously having a one and a half year old brother, 
created a certain level of competition as well that that gets into you. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. be where you are today without this. Right. No. I, I mean, that's hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure every every single kid when they're around 20 years old, they always can look back at their parents and how they raised them and they always mm. going to complain about something, right? Mm. Like there's no one parent in the whole world that, that did, did everything, everything right. right. Oh. So, uh, you know, I I appreciate very much the the, the way he, he raised us and I, I wouldn't want any other father, even though uh, he probably made couple mistakes along the way but mm. what's important for me is that i know that he did it with like the best intention in his heart mm. and mm. it wasn't never you know out of anger or you know it, he just at the time he thought it's the best that he can do for us so yeah, yeah it was uh that's a whole another podcast <laughs> yeah um okay guys so yeah, we're kind of. I mean, actually, I don't, I don't, I don't remember if I mentioned it in the beginning, but uh, you know, we we met at the old bar. Yeah, and uh, you are a frequent client of the old bar. Yeah, and that's where Love we it. started talking. Yeah, uh-huh. why, why do, you, what is it that you like there? Uh, you know what? It's because uh, it's one of the sponsors, and it's important to. Oh, okay. To have, <laughs> have, have, have <laughs> I would, I would promote them either way. I mean, uh, uh, you know, there's no other place around here like it right so like i would be making my own breakfast at home and mostly it would be eggs or some yogurt with berries Mm. but uh americans really taught me how to eat oatmeal Mm -hmm. and peanut butter yeah and so i just loved it going nuts uh that's that's peanut butter banana and dark chocolate yeah right so i absolutely love it and and you know it's i there's things that I can make at home mm. and they're maybe as good as in restaurants, but I can never make oatmeal this good. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend absolutely loves it. She loves the uh, straw. Is it strawberry, strawberry cheesecake? Cake. Yeah. Man, she gave me a bite the other day and uh, it was so good. It was actually like a cheesecake. Yeah. Uh, but That's good to hear. Yeah, I, I didn't want to make the cheesecake the new habit. So I'm just still going Sticking with to my, the old yeah, one, yeah. going nuts. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, uh, Andre, maybe if people want to know a little bit more about you, um, obviously I will put some links into the the episode description on Spotify and all all those places where you can listen. But what what is your Instagram if people want to follow you? Uh, I think it's a nesty eleven. Yeah, at a nesty n e s t y eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, any other places? I mean, you don't have a page or any anything. I mean, this is your primary window to the world, right? Yeah, it is. I'm not a big. Uh, I use Instagram. That's probably the only thing that I use. But I'm not okay. a big social media guy. Uh, I, you know, especially what lately it's been going on with social media. I've gone the other way, and I kind of want to delete it. But mm. uh, yeah, Instagram's the only thing that I'm okay. using. So, guys, uh, you only have to follow him in one place, but you can follow me everywhere. Um, there's a Facebook page, uh, The Bunker, How the Hell Did We End Up Here? There is an Instagram account called Bunker Prague, and then my private ones are Midlife Crisis Warrior, both on Twitter and Instagram. Um, thanks to the sponsors, the great Old Bar and the Alfred Jobs. Um, 
uh, yeah, follow the show and to never miss an episode and uh, share it and tell me if you know some cool people that I should talk to or any topics that I should address. Um, thanks for all the feedback on the, the recent episodes. Um, I'm happy that you are happy. And uh, yeah, Andre, what are you going to do tonight? Uh, I don't know. This might be the first night I don't have plans since I came back two weeks ago. So I might just read a book or something. I don't know. But yeah. uh, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah, thanks for coming.